0: Go ahead and take the speed up your number one now, runway like seven third land green dot. Welcome nice guys, guys. Hello and welcome back to the Green Dot, EAA's podcast for anyone and everyone who loves aviation. The Green Dot, sponsored by GE Aviation. I'm Hal Bryan, and I'm Senior Editor for Print and Digital Content and Publications here at AEA, and one of your hosts. On my left, normally, it's Chris Henry, but today we've got... Connor Madison. Connor Madison, our uh, award-winning, sure, sure, why not, award-winning <laughs> uh, uh, staff photographer and uh, uh, in-house uh, air race nerd. Is that fair?
1: That's fair, absolutely.
0: It's great to uh, have you sitting in on this one, Connor. Excellent. And uh, across the table... Tom Charpentier, Government Relations Director knows who he is and what he does that's what we like about tom uh so uh we have a uh, we have a guest who's dialed in to join us uh today connor why don't you uh, do the honors and tell us who that is
1: yeah so we are super thrilled to have uh 2018 uh reno sport class national champion uh andy Findlay with us today thanks andy
2: hey guys how you doing today
0: we're doing great on this end we're really glad to have you and appreciate you taking the time to join us
2: Absolutely. Yeah, always great to talk about Reno and uh, the amazing fun we get to have out there with the September family.
0: That's excellent. So let's, uh, let's do one of my favorite things to do, and that is uh, talk to you about your beginnings in aviation. Were you, were you an airplane kid? Uh, any family in aviation? you remember your first flight? All that kind of good stuff.
2: So I've always been into motorsports. Uh, my dad, uh, taught me how to ski when I was young. So I kind of had that competitive ski racing thing, but then in junior high, I figured out with snowmobiles, I could go back up the mountain. So I grew up out in the mountains of Idaho. And, uh, so I got into backcountry snowmobiling and had a bunch of fun with that. And, uh, first time I went to the air races when I was 15. So my dad had a, a 182 at the time. And, um, so I was kind of, uh, he, he flew it a little bit. He got into flying late in life, but, uh, but really, it was kind of just, yeah, that was the, the airplane to, to go kind of play around in. But I didn't really get that aviation bug. I was really into motorsports and snowmobiles and motorcycles, but uh, the, the airplane bug didn't bite me. So then when I went to Reno the first time when I was 15, then it was like, oh, this is cool. This, this is what racing is about. This is what airplanes are about. Um, I think that's when that dream really set place uh, when I was pretty young.
0: So uh, what was the path then from there? You're 15, uh, suddenly your eyes are open to the world of air racing, and that was the aviation hook that got you. Uh, did you start flight training as a teenager? Did you do that later on? What What was your next step?
2: So I did that later on. Uh, I was pretty focused on snowmobiles, so I ended up going to University of Idaho to get an engineering degree. Um, I wanted to be a snowcross racer when I grew up, but realizing that I'd blown out both knees and it's pretty hard on the body, so... I was like, well, it's a good thing I went to school. And uh, when I was 21 is when I got my pilot's license. I started training when I was 20. Uh, my dad had a Seneca at that time. So it was uh, commuting around Idaho. It was kind of nice to have uh, an airplane to get back and forth because the spaces are so wide out there. So um, I got my license when I was 21. And uh, just kind of, I would fly about 50 hours a year as I was trying to uh, just build time and uh, flew a couple different planes. And then in 2007, when I graduated, that kind of first started the dream of, all right, I'm done with school. Now I need to try to find a way to do Reno. But uh, kind of put that on hold, ended up buying a house, uh, doing the responsible thing, you know, quote, unquote. <laughs> and uh, at, that, at that point, I moved to Wisconsin, actually, and was working for Evinrude. So uh, that lasted about two years uh, with the house. And I was like, you know, I really need to pursue this air racing dream. So I ended up renting my house out. I uh, lived with my buddy in his basement to save money, and all my friends made fun of me for being super cheap, but I had this dream of, of buying a race plane, so uh, after that, I had flown some more experimental planes by this time, uh, and I, you know, religiously, I think I still do it, you know, looking at barnstormers every day to see what's out there, but uh, started looking through barnstormers, I called everybody with a the Lance there for a couple of years, and offered them half price, because I was just a Ford engineer, and was trying <laughs> to save money, so Originally, I was looking for uh, a Lanthair 360 or a Harman rocket. That was kind of my, my budget that I had saved. And um, I went down to see Wayne Marshall, and he was living in Ar- Arkansas at the time, and uh, went down there. We uh, flew out of Waukegan, Illinois, actually, and uh, went down there for the weekend and look at his Harmon rocket. And I asked him why he was selling it. And he said, well, I've got a legacy. It's You know, it's, the interior's not done, the paint's not done, but it's in, It's flying. You want to go fly it and I was like, and I'd seen him race in Reno, because I'd been to Reno every year since I was 15 after that, and I'm like, oh, yes, I want to go fly a Legacy so bad. Uh, he was an old A4 pilot in Marines, and so he had it set up to fly from the right seat, so I got to sit in the left seat, uh, which I thought was pretty cool, and so we went flying, and um, I came back and just had that grin, uh, and I was like, oh, this is so amazing. And he's like, you don't want my rocket anymore. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> I think I need to save a little longer, and because really, the the best you know the, the there's awesome racing at Reno with all the RVs and the rockets and um, I actually think they have some of the best racing because they're all so close out there. But I really wanted to to figure out how to go fast and at that time John Sharp and Dale Greenemeyer were the guys to beat and and so I really had that dream of okay I need a I need to get a Legacy so um, that was probably 2000 I think ten somewhere in there when I went for a ride with him so I saved some more money and continued my daily. Uh, antics of looking at barnstormers and uh, my airplane came up on barnstormers it hadn't flown in four years had a questionable engine it uh, had a gear up landing had a prop strike like totally checkered history but i'm like this is perfect because i knew i was going to change everything i i was the the guy i was buying it from he's like you want me to like relabel the gauges and stuff i'm like oh no that's all coming out of there i need data acquisition (laughs) i need to change all this stuff so um that's when i first found my plane so i ended up getting a really smoking deal on I got it basically half price for a legacy because it had the damage history and hadn't flown uh, that's when I kind of started getting into the uh, the network of the Lancer community so a pretty funny story uh, one of my best friends David Robinson does a lot of uh, Lancer transition training so you know I wanted to be the responsible and you know I've heard all the stories of Lancer's you can't go slow can't go slow and um, so I called David and said hey I want to uh, get some transition training I just bought a Lancer Legacy and he says, "Well, how much time do you have?" I'm like, "Well, you know, 350 hours." He's like, "No thanks. I'll talk to you later." And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What?" So I called him back, and uh, you know, I said, "No, I've got a lot of experience. You know, I've got a lot of multi time. Um, I've flown a bunch of different experimental airplanes. Like, I really want to get transition training." And so it took two or three times to convince him. He's finally like, "Okay, you you know, you can come out, and uh, we'll see how it goes." So uh, I was fortunate enough to fly with David Robinson and Bob Jeffrey and just extraordinary pilots awesome lancer uh, network um, to be in and uh, yeah that's kind of where it started so that was i picked up the plane uh, race week of 2012 that was the first time i got the plane and uh it had a performance engine that was kind of questionable and a lot of people said yeah no don't worry or don't buy it because of that and i'm like oh i can figure out engines that's i'd worked at evan rude i worked at delta hawk for a short stint on their diesel engine and uh, so after that, it was like, okay, now we have a, a really good baseline of an airplane that we can go fast with.
0: Excellent.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, uh, it's funny you were working at uh, Evan Root. I guess we're we're uh, we're solidly in Mercury Country here in uh, in Oshkosh. Uh, unfortunately for you, but <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, we
2: we used to come up Fond du Lac and uh, race motorcycles on the ice up there. But yeah, it was a it was a fun rivalry with the Mercury guys, and we'd always. When I was working at Evan Reed, we go out and race on the lakes in the weekends and um, Thursday nights at uh, Blarney Island, and it was always a lot of fun with the racing guys. So
3: yeah,
2: it's it's always fun to have that rivalry too. We'll get into that later of how awesome rivalries can be. Sure, sure. <laughs>
3: um, okay, so I have um, a- an embarrassing confession to make here. I have never been to Reno, uh,
0: and that's the uh, that's the show. Thanks everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well. Good Episode.
3: Yeah. That's um, no, uh, you know I. I get around to September every year, and I'm always out of vacation time. So I, I, uh, I, I need to go. I have not yet, but um, for myself and uh, those of uh, those listening who are uh, less familiar with Reno, uh, can you just go a little bit through how the event is set up, um, kind of the format of it, um, how you know how a pylon race is uh, is is kind of conducted, um, uh, those those sorts of things, just to kind of set the set the table for us.
2: Okay. Yeah, Reno so started 55 years ago, and they just wanted to go out, and uh, at that time, you know, surplus warbirds were cheap, and uh, they just wanted to go out and race them around the desert. So they had a pretty makeshift course at the time, and um, it's really growing since then. So uh, this year, it consists of six different classes. There's the Formula One planes that are uh, all have a fixed—they're kind of Formula One after the Formula One cars because their rules are very specific. So they have a specific wing area, like the height of everything is controlled— Uh, the engine's controlled, um, all that stuff is very in a box. But even with the strict rules, there's some radical different designs of what you can do. So they're running 0,200 engines, spinning them up to 4,400 RPM. And so the little one, that's in the 150. It's the same one in these guys, but they're going 240, 250 miles an hour. (laughs) (laughs) After that, there's the biplane class, and the biplane's, have typically a, a 360 in them and basically the rule is you got to have two wings so if you look at the phantom which is a like very custom biplane it looks radically different than a lot of the pits that race with it um that that kind of just smokes everybody right now but uh um that's the other class and then the t6 is obviously just the, the standard warbird trainer uh the sport class uh we it's our our so our rules are wide open. It's kind of fun. So it's any fuel or fluid you want to go fast in 1,000 cubic inches. And so we all run 550s or 540s. And, you know, so it's really wide open for what we can do. Lots of turbos, lots of nitrous. Uh, there's super legacies, I think, in every class this year. Uh, I can't remember. There's a lot of planes with nitrous this year in our class as well. Uh, then you have the Unlimited. So the the, war, the big Warbirds, the c series, the Mustangs, the Bearcats. Uh, the super unlimited, they can hit up to 500 miles an hour. Uh, right now they're, uh, they were a little slower this year. There's only two of them that beat us this year. Uh, we were pretty close to them. And then, uh, you have the jet class running the L39s, L 29s and they're doing around 500 miles an hour as well. So it's an eight mile course out in the desert. Uh, for our class, I'll focus on the sport class. We take off individually. We join up in a big echelon of nine airplanes. We fly around the backside of P vine and we come down the chute. The chute's about a, probably a 10-mile run-in uh, where we can get everybody lined up. We can come line abreast. We're descending, so the power is not really pushed up yet. Um, as we get closer and closer down the chute, we go faster and faster. In our gold class, we release at about 275 knots indicated. And um, usually we're probably about half power. The pace plane's an L39, and it's a, actually full power coming down the chute. Um, but we're about half power coming down the chute when the pace plane sees us lined up and somewhat of a – an equal line we're, we're trying to keep our engines tuned coming down there um once we're kind of lined up then he'll say ladies and gentlemen you have a race and away we go so we have to hold our position so we're at the guide pylon and that's you just want to maintain your lanes typically we're lined up by speed so we will get some nose to tail separation for safety and then after that it's game on and uh, see who can go the fastest we typically run six laps it's about a 47 mile race and this year we finished it in about seven minutes
3: wow and it's worth noting that I mean, you guys are are carrying on the uh, the you know the legacy of of all the the uh, pylon races that got really got really popular in the pre-war era and kind of petered out after uh, after World War II. Uh, I mean, it's it's an incredible legacy you guys are carrying on there. Yeah, it's uh, I don't
2: know if you saw the horsepower TV guy or horsepower media guys. They did a a great uh, tribute to the the day the golden racers and. Um, they kind of focused on the sport class of what we've done this year and they have a, a sound at the start of our race that just it gives me chills even talking about it how awesome it was but uh, those guys did a great job with their clips I'm sure Connor can find that and reference that for you guys but it's, uh, it's really cool to see the passion that everybody has in our class uh, everybody pushing the limits and it really is kind of that golden age again to where you can build this stuff in your garage it's uh, the experimental planes are really taking off the the rvs the legacies the glass airs the thunder mustangs everybody's just pushing the limits of what we can do uh, the engine manufacturers are getting behind it you know we've got the rivalries of lycoming and and continental to see who can do the best engine who can go the fastest who can make the most horsepower the propeller manufacturers are getting involved uh, a lot of people are in the soul. we have the macaulay custom race blade that the macaulay blackworks guys made for us so Connor's got some great pics of that um, before, but it, you know, it's, it's much shorter than the other ones. It's got this crazy twist to it. It's got a whole bunch of tip sweep, and uh, it's designed for that point in Reno. We can take away all the takeoff performance that we need, um, but we design it for that point. So to see that kind of support from the, the manufacturers is really cool. And, uh, and the experimental, I think experimental aviation in general is just exploded with, with that kind of uh, competition that's out there. So it's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and I think you kind of hit on something I wanted to ask you, Sue. When you when you got your race plane, when you got it flying and racing at Reno, I mean, it was a much different airplane than it is now that you won with in 2018. So, do can you talk about some of the mods you did over the last five or so years?
2: Yep. So uh, after I got the plane, the first goal was to uh, go to pylon school and get qualified. So each June we go out to for the rookies. I love to go every year because it's like airplane camp for or summer camp for airplane junkies so i go out there every year just because it's so much fun and uh, so i went to pylon school the first year and the plane would do about 300 to 310 miles an hour when i got it and i started doing the math and because i would raced snowmobiles and motorcycles i was looking at it i'm like okay i'm going to be in the gold class this is good this will be fun and then i kept going i'm like oh i'm gonna get lapped like oh no we're not getting <laughs> lapped <laughs> so that's when my competitiveness really kicked in and uh so we started trying to figure out what could we do to make it go faster First thing was obviously more boost is the easy way. Then you got to keep it cool, so we added spray bars. We added water methanol injection, which is the ADI, the anti detonation injection. So we started adding all that stuff our rookie years. So a rookie year we came out, we did. Uh, I think we qualified at 347, and it was it was a good showing. Flew uh, really fun race with David Sterling and Lynn Farnsworth that year. Uh, kind of we were all right about third place. Kind of you could throw a blanket over all of us. It was a lot of fun, but kinda of there it was like all right we need to figure out how to push it harder and I tell everybody, you know, making fifty, sixty inches of manifold pressure, that was pretty easy. Like it was straightforward, a little bit of spray bar, a little bit of ADI, no problem. It was, it was good. So uh, excuse me real uh, quick,
0: Andy. Excuse me. Um you yeah. said you qualified at three forty seven. Uh we're we talking yep. miles per hour, knots Miles per
2: hour, yeah. So yep. three hundred and forty
0: seven miles per hour as as a qualifier. Yep. Okay. Please go on.
2: So so then it was like, okay, well, how do we go really fast at that time? Jeff had it was throwing up crazy speeds. Uh, before I started racing, you know, John Sharp and Daryl Greenemeyer had pushed it up. John Sharp had some 400 mile an hour races in his, you know, one off NXT that's in the Smithsonian now. Uh, amazing, like piece of artwork of airplane and engineering and everything in that airplane. It's just it's fun to even just look at, it, let alone watch it fly and and scream around the pylons. So the bar was set incredibly high, and and it was that dream and you know we came back from reno that first year and put on my whiteboard where we make all the notes of what we're going to work on is like 400 miles an hour like we got to chase that And you know i think john sharp summed it up really good with his you know chase the the dream not the competition but that 400 mile an hour number was was always the target to to go that fast so each year we've we've modified something we've changed something we've uh fuel is always a challenge to get that much fuel because we're flowing 80 to 90 gallons an hour through the engine now and the fuel systems just aren't made for that. So we, we modified the fuel pump and we modified the spider and the throttle body. And it just, it became where it was really hard to manage. The, the mixture was very difficult to go from the low boost to the high boost. And uh, it, it was kind of just, it was really too much workload. So I kind of had the advantage of driving a dyno for my job at Evinrude, but driving a dyno and flying at 400 miles an hour, it's, it's kind of tricky. So we was like, we need to make this better. So we called up Ross at SDS EFI. And we changed the fuel system over to electronic fuel injection and ignition. Um, that made a big improvement for my workload because I can kind of pre-program everything in there. When the ADI comes on, it automatically deriches or leans it out a little bit to maintain the air-fuel ratio with that extra ADI. Uh, the ignition timing was better. We can control that based on boost. And just it really made the, the plane more manageable going through these huge power fluctuations um, when we come down the chute. So each year we, we do a little more. Uh, some of the big failures we've had, uh, we've gone through a lot of pistons trying to do that. The the pistons are a Lycon piston that, you know, they were pretty good to uh, 65, 70 inches. And above that, we started seeing some piston seizures. Uh, we've kind of combated that with a couple different things of a totally new piston fit geometry. So... Uh, With my background, I brought it to work, and we 3D scanned it, um, put it on CMM, and scanned the whole thing so we could figure out what the shape is. You know, pistons look round and kind of straight up, but they actually have a lot of curve to them, and they get pretty—they get a lot narrower at the top. So we kind of changed the profile of that to make it live a little longer. Uh, We changed the oil cooling to the engine. We changed the oil feed distribution to the engine. Uh, we changed the baffling, trying to just control those temperatures because the, you know, the engines are they're really robust for what they do, but when you almost triple the horsepower, there's there's going to be a weak link in there somewhere. So, cooling's been our big challenge in uh, getting the fuel in there. So through that, there's been a lot of really fun development, a lot of uh, a lot of good challenges, but we've kind of got the engine to finally live after uh, breaking it a few times.
1: That's awesome, yeah. So I think in in twenty seventeen, I can remember going into Reno, be like, okay, yeah, he's got uh, he's got Jeff Lavelle this time, and so not quite, right? I don't know if you want to talk about Reno you know, twenty seventeen.
2: Yeah, so twenty seventeen, we we had worked. You know, it's it's been so six years we're working on the plane, but twenty seventeen, uh, we'd been working hard. We had the fuel injection was working good. Uh, we'd been kind of slowly progressing throughout the week, a little better, a little better. Like we had a good plan to to just you know save it till sunday and sunday came around and uh, we were coming down the valley of speed and it was a little warm and i thought it was okay but when i hit the turn the spray bars on uh the second spray bar system i hit that i bumped the mixture knob and it went full rich and it ran for a little bit and you can in the data you can see it where i where it got rich and i got richer and richer and richer and then it just got overly rich and the, put the flame out basically so it coming around three and four it quit and i was like well we were making a lot of power that was fun there goes the engine and So I'm looking at it and I'm like, why did it quit? And I turn the ADI off. And normally that'll let it relight because it wasn't a. I've had somewhere it goes boom when it quits, but this one just like and (laughs) without. It's like huh. So I like kind of wait. I'm like trying to get it relit. And I'm like, all right, it's time to start getting some altitude. Uh, It's kind of funny on the radio. You can hear me key the mic and there's like a ten count in there where I'm like, should I go down? Should I go? Should I go down? You know, what should I do? And I look over in the mixture knob. It got to the full rich position. We have a potentiometer with that system, and so I turn it back to phenomenal position and relaxed And I'm like, Oh, but you know, it's, I was already off the course. I didn't want to dive back down in for safety. And so that one, it was like so close and, uh, I felt so bad cause it was, you know, my mistake. The team worked so hard to make all this happen. And, um, I got to relive that race over and over all year. And everybody's nice enough to remind me of it all year. So <laughs> I really had that motivation to make it perfect this year. So, um, being so close in 2017 really motivated us, uh, we got back and it was like, all right, it's game on. Like as soon as I landed, the cowl's off, the engine's coming off. We're going to go through everything, make sure it's all perfect. Uh, we had the plane apart, like completely apart, wings off, upside down, uh, probably by, I don't know if it's was into October or November, but um, pretty much had the whole thing taken apart. And uh, we, we're going to start kind of repairing the belly damage from the augmenter design that we did. Uh, we did the piano hinge flaps this year, just, each year, we take the flap brackets off because it has a Fowler flap. So, we take those brackets off each year, and it was like 10 man hours of labor to do it because you got to take the ailerons off, and it's just a big pain to do it in Reno. And at the end of the week, everybody's tired, and the last thing we want to do. So, it's like, all right, let's 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 do this big project. And so, we did the piano hinge flap mod and uh, got the engine overhauled. They were kind of the, the big things we started with this year. And um, got most of that done in the spring, but uh, after that, it was like, all right, we can start testing
1: that's awesome yeah yeah go ahead uh yeah so I was gonna just let's let's go to 2018 there so I mean you do you put a ton of work into the airplane that was already really good in 2017 so talk about like the Saturday race especially and then on the Sunday like what was that feeling like
2: yeah so we we did a ton of work uh, you know not only the the flat mod uh, the one we kind of the secret weapon this year was uh, when we were painting the airplane uh, you know we were It's been actually before we were painting the airplane, but the last year we'd been working on new wingtip designs. So, uh, Kurt Burris is a friend of ours that was an aerodynamicist. And so, we went, I don't know how many iterations we went through with him, like trying to get the perfect wingtip. And then, you know, at one point we're like, is it really about the perfect, you know, wing vortex or is it just about area? Because you look at Strega and Rare Bear and, and all those ones, they just cut the wings off. And so, we, we took the math model we had, and we, we were like, let's just cut it off at the fuel bay. We're going to get rid of a foot off each wing. And, you know, the legacy in the glass is already pretty small wings, but like, yeah, let's get rid of another foot. You know, what could go wrong. So So uh, we ended up cutting a foot off each wing, and we flight tested it, and it, it rolled better. It was actually way more fun to fly now because the roll rate went from 90 degrees a second to 120. Uh, my landing and takeoff speeds, I added about 10 knots, and it still feels pretty good. Below that, it gets kind of mushy. Um, so that, that was kind of the secret mod this year um, that we brought out uh so this year uh we we knew we had some power on i'll kind of start it instead of jumping to saturday i'll jump back to the beginning of the week so we knew we had good speed um i had a couple issues in qualifying and testing that it wasn't kind of running right a lot of the settings we developed out here in the east coast where it's really humid they didn't quite work in reno so we uh we kind of did some testing midweek on wednesday we turned the boost up to, or actually go back to qualifying. In qualifying, we qualified at 388 miles an hour, which was the best speed we'd ever done. And I, I knew we had more because the engine was kind of running rough and we didn't have the boost turned all the way up, but it was, I just wanted to get a qual speed so I didn't have that stress in case I broke something else of trying to get a qual speed. So I just wanted to get in the show basically. But then Tuesday and Wednesday, we were able to test more and, and kind of get it dialed in. So we found uh, our really good setup for our Sunday setup, we tested on Wednesday and we did like 300, I did two laps this hand timed at 397 and we're like, oh, so close to 400 but it's like, that's <laughs> ah, not meant to be. So close. And we're like, all right, next year we're going to make a whole new wing. <laughs> we're going to make this thing thin and you know all this crazy stuff but it was, uh, it was. we knew we were close and the conditions Wednesday morning, it was really cold and the turbo engines like it when it's hot, you know, get the higher density altitude so we're like, well, we're close, let's see what happens. So, uh, Thursday was probably one of the most exciting races. So we started out second next to Jeff and, uh, coming down the Valley of speed, you know, I'm like gaining on him and gaining on him. I'm kind of next to him. And then I'm like, Oh, I should probably tell him something. So, you know, race three, nine, three zeros on your right. and Like, try not to giggle like, Oh my God, this is actually happening. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Cause Jeff is, he's such a cool guy and amazing pilot, amazing engineer. And he set the bar way up there for so many years so that was and i knew it was thursday so like nobody's pushing it on thursday and um but we got there and we got into lap traffic and so i stayed wide just to, to not scare anybody and um really just build that trust of flying with each other when we're flying that close and that fast like it's it's not about scaring somebody or you know trying to force anything so it was, it was good to build that trust on thursday uh we did a missing man for john parker that night and so this kind of leads into what happened friday but a uh, really special send off for John. He was a, another air race legend and hero of ours. And uh, really sad to see him fly West this year, but uh, he's, he's always in our memories and his, his whole crew that is still there. Um, his crew chief rode with me on the missing man, Mike Cummings. And uh, it's really special that to have him with us, but uh, we did the missing man and uh, I ended up getting air in my ADI system. So on the race Friday, we came down to chute and you know, the intake temp's going up, going up, going up, and it normally comes down once the ADI kicks on. And so I pulled the power back, and I, like, hit the backup pump so I can change it from an automatic system to a manual system. That's not working either. So it, it had air in it. So I just pulled the power back, and we kind of just cruised around, and Jeff la- ended up lapping us on Friday. I was like, ah, you know, dang it. <laughs> so Saturday, it was game on. Uh, we didn't really change any power settings, but uh, we still had the, the Sunday power setting we wanted to run, but we wanted to save that. So I was going to start in six because we had to go slow on Friday. Um, Coming down the chute, I got a really good start. Uh, Got past most of, I think, all the Thunder Mustangs and uh, Jim Rust and his glass air. And then I passed Bob Mills coming down the Valley of Speed and his glass air. And then it was, you know, fangs out, game on. We're going to fly a perfect line. We're going to catch Jeff. And kind of lap two had a great line on Jeff. uh, Coming by the crowd, um, stacked up really high. And it's, it's really hard to fly this line. Like you want to do like an echelon turn for the formation people out there, but you got to be like this really high, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but you got to put them like in the wing root when you're flying formation on them. It's, it's, it's uncomfortable because you have to keep them in sight. You don't want to lose sight of them, but you have to fly this perfect line. So I had a really good line coming by home pylon and then had some altitude on him and when we rolled level between three and four, it just kind of accelerated. And then I kind of lost them behind me and was like, holy cow, we just passed them. So then, uh, then stayed there Saturday and, uh, the excitement that everybody, like when we landed, it was, you know, I, I remember Jesse Panzer's like giggle in one of the videos somebody made. was Oh my goodness. So, uh, hurt giggle, you know, everybody calls it giggles, but, uh, that excitement I think goes with everybody. So I landed and the whole sport class is out there and everybody's so excited. And Jeff was the first one that came up and he goes, Oh man, that was awesome. That was the best (laughs) race. And we were next to each other. And like, finally I get to race somebody. This is great. So it it was kind of that camaraderie. That's so exciting about Reno that I've done a lot of other motorsports. that, you know, there's a lot of animosity, but in Reno, it's like everybody's so excited when, when you accomplish something. And, you know, even Jeff, who has been like this, in the lead the champion for so long he he was excited so the, the energy was just electric when we were doing this yeah. uh the whole class was excited my dad was there my wife jackie was there it's been a huge part of supporting this and um you'll probably see it when the tv show comes out but everybody's pretty emotional i think there was a few tears shed like oh my god we finally did it we get our first fire truck ride and uh for those that haven't been to reno the when you win you get a vintage fire truck ride down the flight line and get a wave to all the fans and the crews that are out there so it was that was probably the the most special uh, to take everybody that's worked so hard to take them for that fire truck ride. It was really cool.
0: I can't even imagine uh, what that's got to feel like, and and what a hard run, hard won uh, contest that was. That's that's uh, that's absolutely fascinating. Um, one thing I've I've noticed as we've been talking, Andy, you know, we think about you know you in in the airplane, you're the pilot uh, you've done so much work on the airplane. Um, but, uh, but every time you talk about it, you say, you say, we, can you tell us a little bit about your team?
2: Oh, absolutely. The the team is, is the, the brain trust, the, the group of people that is really just fun. You know, it's, I tried to relate it to people that have you ever gone to a wedding or a bachelor party or something that you just have this awesome time with your buddies That's that you, you don't get to hang out with anymore. And it's like a reunion. You're like, man, we need to do this every year. And so it's, that's what Reno is. It's, it's the group of people you just love to hang out with that have this passion for airplanes, uh, passion for racing or engines or whatever it is. And it's that time you all get to get together. So, uh, we get the excuse for getting it year round now, cause we're always working on the airplane, but there's kind of a, a core group of eight of us that do a lot of the work on the airplane. And then at Reno, you know, we have 25 to, you know, sometimes 40 people that are there of just old friends and family. So, uh, I've got people, some of my coworkers here that I worked with, past coworkers. Actually, two of my former bosses come to Reno and help out. Um, and just they love they love doing it, and um, without them, yeah, none of this would happen. So it's it's those guys that that have the the brain power to do it. Um, Ross from SDS was commenting. He goes. I didn't realize the depth of knowledge on your team and cause he's crazy smart in his own regards for fuel injection, but he says like Mark Voss, um, I worked with him at Delta Hawk and he's a DER and worked at Continental and um, a really good friend and kind of mentor. He was there. And so he's, he's got a really amazing engine background and thermodynamic background. Uh, one of my other mentors, Sebastian Strauss is always, you know, he can do magic with data and he's an engine guru as well. So we're always bouncing ideas off each other uh, the team here, when we want to fabricate something or you know rewire something, like Thomas Lingens is one of my coworkers here at Steel. He helps out. Matt Spark helps out with welding. Mike Turner is always there. So there's this huge group of people that that just love to play with the airplane, and I feel very fortunate that I even you know get, get to fly it and be around that group of people. But um, and it keeps growing. You know, one example, you know, we try to have that presence on social media to to say hey you know if, if you want to do something with an airplane like here's a great avenue for it and so uh we call him young thomas uh, but thomas lockwood he found us uh, he's a big precious metal fan and then he found us and said hey i wanted to come check out the airplane and he was local to virginia beach here and i said yeah i'm like oh you, you want to help work on it he's like oh really can i it's like oh absolutely and now he's this huge driving force behind the team of new ideas and you know what can we try and all the wingtip design but it just it's kind of that attitude of I try to be really inclusive and, you know, we can't do anything great alone. And to have the team that's behind us, uh, the network of engineers, the, the brain trust that the Macaulay guys that, you know, that came up with this amazing prop. And so Danny Ball's team at there. Travis Martin does a lot of the, spinning wrenches and the builds of the prop and Kevin and Matt Morgan, um, do the analytics and the, you know, designing this crazy twist and sweep that's in the prop. And, you know, it looks like nothing else that, that's out there right now. So, um, you know, I can, I go on and on about this whole brain trust of people and, and to have that support, have the support of my family, um, you know, jumping to Jackie, my wife, I met her my rookie year in Reno, and she was there with her dad, Bob, uh, they were crewing for Lee Bill at the time. And uh, so it it just keeps growing and growing from such an amazing group of people.
3: Yeah, I can only imagine how um, you know being involved in a sport like that, where you've got just yeah this massive support group behind you, and uh, you're the only one who's, to, who's quote unquote competing as an operating the machine, but everybody else is just standing behind you, uh, you know, working with you all the way. Um, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so. Um, sport class seems to me to be kind of like the stock car of, uh, of, of Reno. You know, you've, you've got these designs that are, that, that were originally developed as, you know, practical, uh, fast cross country airplanes that you're kind of optimizing into, uh, into pylon racing. Uh, do you ever fly the, uh, the race plane outside of, of, um, of competition, uh, or do you just keep it, uh, keep it safe for the, uh, for the races? You
2: know, actually we fly it year round. I usually, this, Last year when we were doing the major mods we didn't fly it as much but i typically fly at 150 hours a year uh and usually like 50 of that's probably reno related but uh, we fly it all over i fly formation with my buddies out here uh we take it see where i used to live in wisconsin so we'll fly up there go down to florida i've flown it to the bahamas actually um so yeah it goes all over uh, it's just it's such a fun airplane to fly like I, I could just only fly it once a year but yeah it's it's we fly it all the time
1: that's awesome. So what do you have uh, – so you did 400 miles an hour average for the gold race, uh, and you beat Jeff Lavelle, but now everybody's got the off-season to work. So do you have anything you can tell us which you have planned for 2019? Because obviously you want to be faster yet.
2: Oh, always, yeah. The, the need for speed never ends. So, yeah, we've I've got kind of – we landed from Reno, and everybody's like, okay, it's perfect. I'm like, oh, no, we got lots to do. So I've got like a three-page list of stuff I want to do. Uh, Nothing as drastic as last year. I think, you know, cutting the foot off each wing and the paint job and the piano hinge flaps, like those are huge projects. So uh, now that kind of the body work, I'd say, is, you know, the paint kind of makes it somewhat uh, less touchable. You know, anything's possible, but um, we'll probably keep that paint for a while. Uh, Brad Simmons' shop at Airframes Inc. did a great job with the paint, like the detail on the chainsaw. People didn't even notice we cut the wingtips off because they came up and were touching the chainsaw that's on the wing. And even some of my buddies that are really into Lancers didn't notice that it's missing a foot off the wing. So it, uh, it was pretty funny, but, uh, so big mods for this year, I think is really just making the systems more robust. Uh, some of the, the manual work that we do, uh, or that I have to do, I think we can make the ADI the system a little better. The spray bars a little better. Uh, cooling drag can always be improved. Um, weight is a big one. I think we can make the plane lighter uh, that's really less engineering and more just, you know, who can we get the sponsors to throw titanium parts at it? Uh, that's just kind of a money thing for weight, but, uh, there's, there's always more that we want to do. And, um, I think we'll, we'll find some more speed in there somewhere. There's, there's definitely more to go.
1: Oh, that's awesome. And I think for anyone that hasn't seen the airplane, you're sponsored by Steel. And so it's got two large chainsaws on the wing. Uh, and prior, I mean, you mentioned that it had the vinyl wrap. And you guys found out that was slowing
2: you down, right? Which is why you went to paint? Yeah. So when we first started, yeah, it's been awesome to have Steel on board. And, uh, you know, we've kind of started, you know, I, I kind of talked the marketing guys into it because I'm working my day job. I'm an engineer here at Steel. But uh, we, we talked them into it, like, yeah, just come check out Reno. You know, the demographic of, of people in Reno is. It's really special and you know, I use the same demographic that's at Airventure each year. You know, it's it's the doers in life, it's the people that want quality products, it's the people that, that want something that's gonna work all the time. So, you know, and I when I first talked them into it they were a little hesitant, but then once I saw the response from people at Reno, they were amazed at, at how cool the uh, how much people wanted the product, you know, it was, it, and it wasn't just the onesie twosies. these people that own uh, the casinos wanted to retool with our product. The, some of the, my buddies I raced with have landscape companies, and they retooled with steel products. So that's been really cool to see that, and it's kind of growing to where they sponsor the whole event now that we have the Steel National Championship Air Races. So, um, yeah, marketing-wise, like, putting the chainsaw logo on the wing was perfect. It, it just, it fits just right. Uh, we originally wrapped it just because it was kind of the quick and easy way to do it, uh, the wrap was was really good. It was really cool to see it work. It worked good below three hundred and fifty miles an hour. Um, above that, <laughs> you kind of you kind of start seeing it lift. So, you know, if there's RV guys out there that want to wrap it or just stock legacies, it works great. Um, you can walk on it. You don't have to worry about scratching it. Like it's it's very durable, but uh, at the higher speeds, it starts to kind of lift. So, uh, that's why we went to paint this year, and and it was kind of getting a little ratty in places. So we are you know we were, this year was all about making everything perfect. And so that's why we took the Bradstrop at Airframes Inc., and, and the body work that Jerry did, uh, the paint work that he did, just turned out awesome.
3: Now, you, you didn't uh, utilize your sponsor's uh, steel chainsaws on the actual wingtip mod, did you, uh, you know, cutting off the wing? <laughs> <laughs> so
2: we well, we had it all planned out. Like, I have this foam uh, wingtip all made. We might still do this just for a, a stunt, but oh. I've got a, a whole wingtip made out of foam. We had the chains already. It was like two weeks before Reno, and... I don't know what, well, I do know what happened, but so we're like flight testing two weeks before, we you know, like, yeah, we'll do this test flight. Once it's good, then we, you know, we'll do this, cut the wing tip off with the chainsaw thing. And like the engine wouldn't make power and it was surging really bad. I couldn't go over 50 inches. It quit on me one time and it wouldn't relight. I had to dead stick it in. And I'm like, what is going on? So like we went through this whole, you know, troubleshooting for about 10 days of trying to figure out, was it an air leak somewhere and end up like we pressurized the whole engine. We found the ADI controller, um had an air leak in it, and that was causing the, the ECUs to have a bad uh, air pressure, manifold pressure reading. So we ended up tracking it down and fixing it. But uh, the time we spent on that, we didn't get to do the whole cut the wingtip off with the chainsaw <laughs> act. But I had all the parts ready. We just didn't get to
3: it. So, if I want to get into uh, air racing, and I, I, by the way, as we're doing this podcast, I'm thinking that a Cessna 172 one-design class would be uh, would be pretty uh, pretty good for uh, for entry-level stuff. But, uh, <laughs> that'd be, uh, that'd c- be a kick. Yeah. Well, so could you tell us about the uh, the Pylon Racing seminar for uh, for people who are interested in getting into the sport? Yeah, absolutely. So to come to PRS, you like, got to have a minimum of 500 hours. You need to have.
2: Uh, good formation experience. Uh, we can, we can, we really focus our formation training on the Reno aspect of it. So flying a nine-ship echelon, uh, really position holding, um, passing, pylon flying, all that stuff. But uh, so, but you need to have a good fundamental four-ship formation qualified pilot before you come. You need to be able to do 200 miles an hour uh, on the course. Uh, typically, a stock Lancer 320 or a, an RV8, something like that, can definitely. Uh, come to PRS and do that. Uh, it's a ton of fun. Uh, we So before we do the actual pylon session, we have like a three-day warm-up where we just fly formation. And we go play in the desert. Uh, it's a ton of fun. We'll fly multiple hops each day. Uh, and you just really get to hang out with everybody and have fun. This year we actually got a wind delay because the winds were gusting to, I think, 42 instead And it was it was not happening, so I'm like, hey, let's go go kart racing. So I took the whole class to uh, go go kart racing. We got trophies to make it real. So we took all you take all these type (laughs) A racer people. We go to the go kart track and we're racing. And the lady's like, I've never seen a group this competitive before. (laughs) So we had like what was your qualifying speed on the
0: what was your qualifying speed on the go kart?
2: Uh, uh, Go kart side qualified, I think third or fourth in the. So we brought. (laughs) 28 people we divided us up into all the heat so i made the main i think i was third or fourth in qualifying and uh i got beat by one person there was a uh, jim russ's oh, i just forgot his name but he was with jim russ he was a motorcycle guy super skinny guy beat me by like a tenth but uh <laughs> ended up second in the go-kart racing but it was actually really cool team building it was really interesting in- interesting to see the people that the way they fly was also the way they race go-karts too of you know, the, some of the, the lines they would take or you know what's their situational awareness you, you can actually tell a lot by go-kart racing um as well as flying so we might add that to the, the pylon curriculum training as well just to, to get you out of that environment and see what you're like but um so after we do the formation warm-up uh, we're going to do ground school we're going to walk you through all our safety procedures we're going to walk you through the passing the formation flying coming down the chute. Uh, any emergencies you're going to have, we're going to show you, you know, if the engine fails at any point on the course, you already have a plan. It's not, what do I do now? It's if I'm at pylon three, I'm pitching up, I'm going to do a left base and I going to one four, you know, so everything, everything is very planned safety wise to make sure that you can fly the airplane the best you can. We can minimize the risk because it is inherently dangerous, but we're going to train the safety aspect of it and make sure you're safe. And um, you're going to have a ton of fun with an amazing group of people at pylon school. So I always encourage everybody that, you know, come to Pylon School, come meet the group, come try it. Uh, make sure you're ready when you come to school. Make sure you got good formation time. Make sure your plane's ready. Make sure you don't have any squawks that you're going to be fighting with because it is demanding. It's it's a very busy week. It's it's a lot of stress. It's a lot of high-intensity flying. So make sure you're not dealing with anything on your airplane. But uh, come out because it is so much fun to, to, to go to Pylon School and then eventually race in September.
0: I think uh, Tom's booking his ticket absolutely <laughs> it's ready to go yeah
2: yeah if you want to see the experience check out uh, pia Birdquest from flying magazine uh she came to pylon school two years ago i think it was and she wrote a great article of her experience so prior to prs she went to uh elite pilot services with david robinson that i mentioned before and sean van hatton um, she went up and saw them in redmond and she flew with them for a week to get used to the airplane practice the emergency procedures practice formation and then when she came to prs she was ready to go and uh, Pia flew great, and she actually uh, flew in the pace plane this year to help us out. And uh, she also wrote an article about that for flying. But they, uh, she does a great job, and really she captured, you know, what it takes to, to come to PRS and to, to be successful. So she's a great model of that.
0: That's, a, that's terrific. So uh, you have talked a little bit about uh, about using their Lancer to travel and going to the Bahamas and things like that. Uh, is there any other kind of flying that, uh, that you do the rest of the year?
2: Uh, the rest of the year, um, I'm very lucky to have uh, friends that let me borrow their airplanes. So I've got a buddy with a King Air F90 that um, lets he lets me fly that sometimes. Wow. He's got a twin Bonanza. Um, I do a lot of Lancer 360 flying as well. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. It's basically the same as a Legacy. You just burn half the gas, and uh, <laughs> so we'll do that. But lots of formation flying. I got some Bonanza buddies that we'll go fly with and uh there aren't any rvs at our airport unfortunately but um there's a couple but we don't fly with them as much uh they're i don't know they just don't like formation flying i guess but other places uh anytime i can go formation flying i'll go do that um other places i'll fly with the rv guys um yeah any basically anything i can go fly i'll go fly it
0: that's what you're among friends (laughs) here that's for sure so well, yep. Andy, we sure appreciate you taking the time to join us today. What uh, the time has flown by, but we are right up at the end of the episode. Uh, so, so big thanks to you again for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and talk to us, get us uh, get us excited. I, I wish we were doing this in August, so that uh, we could say, hey, you know, we'll we'll see you racing in a month. But we've got to wait yep. till September.
2: Yeah, we could do it again, and uh, yeah, thanks. Appreciate the invite, and look for uh, sometime in March. There'll be a TV show coming about 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 this year's races that you can check out and probably be a three-part series like we did last year. And then, um, if you got any questions for pylon school, you can reach out to me, um, on social media or through these guys and, uh, we'll just get you hooked up to come to pylon school. And it's a, it's a ton of fun. You can check out sportclassairracing.com and our website there will give you a lot of the rules and regulations or check out the Reno site at airrace.org.
0: That sounds great. Well, Andy, thank you again. And a uh, big thanks to our friend and colleague Connor for sitting in today. Absolutely. We're uh, really glad to, ha- glad to have you when uh, when Chris couldn't be here. And thanks, as always, to everybody out there who's listening, who's taking the time to share their feedback. You can always email us at feedback at eaa.org. Uh, you follow our blog posts, inspire.ea.org, and a lot of you leave comments there or even hit the Facebook Like button. And all of that, uh, those things, the reviews on iTunes, Google Play, all those places, uh, that's why we're able to continue doing the Green Dot. And we, uh, we can't thank you enough. Uh, for keeping up that level of support. So with that, we'll talk to you next time when you're cleared to land on the Green Dot.